0: Well, last fall as well as the spring, I've been part of this thing called Rooted that uh, you've been hearing about. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, Rooted is a ten-week small group discipleship experience that is designed to help people connect more deeply to God, to uh, connect more deeply to the church as well as their their uh, purpose in life. And uh, one part of Rooted is something called a prayer experience, where every group gathers on a, another night than the normal night for this this prayer experience. Last fall. Uh, when our group gathered for this prayer experience, I showed up not really with anything particular on my mind that I felt like I needed to seek God for. I just sort of showed up open to whatever God might want to say to me. And so uh, on that night, we spent some time t- praying together first, and then we got into uh, some just about an hour, hour, 15 minutes of personal time to uh, seek God, to, to pray, and, and to listen uh, to Him. And during that time, as I, as I kind of started quieting my heart, I, I sensed God communicating his love for me, but uh, pretty quickly, and this wasn't audible, but it was a very strong impression, uh, he was communicating very clear to my heart, and I sensed God saying to me, Brian, you don't delight in me. You work hard for me, but you don't delight in me. And it didn't come so much as like a strong rebuke as much as more of an invitation to something deeper, a kind of a deeper experience with God. And so since that night back in September, I've been sort of on a journey to figure out what does it look like to delight in God. Obviously, it's something I've known in my mind. It's something I've known that I should delight in God. The truth is clear, but it's another thing to sort of get it into your heart, and actually experience the reality of delighting in God. And so over these last five months, I've been praying about it, I've been processing it with some good friends, and I've been spending time reading and meditating on passages that address this issue. And I believe that that for me and for you, God wants us all to delight in Him, because when we're delighting in Him, things are sort of rightly ordered in our relationship with Him. And so this morning, I want to invite you into the same journey that I've been on to understand what does it look like to delight in God. And my hope for you and my hope for me is that we would be a people that that genuinely delight in God because He is an amazing God. We should delight in Him. And so uh, probably the place to start is to understand that we are actually commanded to delight in God. This is not optional we are commanded to delight in God. Scripture says it all over the place. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Psalm 32.11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all of you who are upright in heart. And probably the passage that I've spent most of my time meditating on is Psalm 37.4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delighting in the Lord is not just for those of us who are a little more emotionally wired. It is a command for all of us to delight in the Lord. And so what God was doing in my life about five months ago as our group gathered was revealing to me that that I was not really obeying this command. And I would say that's an act of God's grace. That's an act of his kindness in my life that he's pointing that out because anytime we don't obey some area of, of God's will for us, we're missing his good, acceptable, well-pleasing will that Romans twelve two talks about. And so I think God was just giving me this invitation to, to experience him more fully by looking at this area and, and finding out how to obey him in this area. The best way for me and the best way for you to walk through this life is by delighting in God. If we don't delight in God, we are missing His best for us. And so, do you delight in God? Well, maybe we need to think a little bit about what it actually means to delight in God before you can answer that question. So, what does it mean to delight in God? I think you know we, we, we kind of have a sense of what that word means. When you, when you look at the word back in Psalm 37.4, it means to take great pleasure in something. It means that you have great enjoyment in something. It's really what we think of when we think of the word delight. But let me use this to illustrate uh, delight. So as someone born and raised in Nebraska and someone who grew up going to Husker football games all of my life with my dad, I delight in Husker football. Now, stick with me. When I say Huskers, you can substitute Wildcats or Chiefs or whatever your favorite t- team is, That it'll work. You'll get the point. But what does my delight look like? Well, all season long, I read articles. I talk to my friends, my Husker friends, about football. I'm excited that tomorrow is the start of spring football and learning about the new players and what's going on. I watch pretty much every single game every year, either on TV or in person, most years I will drive up and go to two or three, and sometimes four games in Lincoln. Last season, I actually drove with a friend to uh, Michigan to see them play. Michigan, well, they didn't really show up and play; they got killed. But uh, still, drove all the way to Michigan to uh, to watch them play. And when they win, which isn't a lot these days, <laughs> it feels really good. It feels good when they win. I delight in the Huskers, and because I delight in them, I give it my attention, I give it my time, I talk about it, I have focus, and and it feels good when they win. That's a picture of delighting in something, and God deserves that kind of attention. God deserves that kind of focus. We should delight in God, and here's the, the deal about this desire to delight in God. It's not just a command to think in our minds that God is desirable. It certainly starts with how we think about God. It has to start with how we think about God. But actually, it's a command to feel that God is desirable. It must involve our feelings. Last fall, when God was showing this to me, and, and, and I started studying this, I knew I should delight in God, but I don't know that I had ever really thought that it must involve actually involve my feelings as well. That, that I, I really can't delight. I cannot find great enjoyment if it's just in the mind. It, it's this response to something that involves everything about us, including our emotions, our feelings. God wants us to delight in Him that way. John Piper does a great job of, of making this point in his book, Desiring God. I know a number of you have read this, but here's how he describes it He says, Consider the analogy of a wedding anniversary. Mine is December 21st. Suppose on this day I bring home a dozen long stem roses for Noel. When she meets me at the door, I hold out the roses and she says, Oh, Johnny, they're beautiful. Thank you. And gives me a big hug. Then suppose I hold up my hand and say, matter of factly, don't mention it. It's my duty. What happens? Is not the exercise of duty a noble thing? Do we not honor those we dutifully serve? Not much. Not if there's no heart in it. Dutiful roses... Are a contradiction in terms. If I'm not moved by spontaneous affection for her as a person, the roses do not honor her. In fact, they belittle her. They are very thin covering for the fact that she does not have the worth or beauty in my eyes to kindle affection. See, to to delight in God means that we He has the kind of beauty in our eyes that kindles affection. We are moved to uh, affection for God. We see his beauty, we see his love, his his worth, um, and those things should stir our affections for God. This is what it means to delight in God. And so let me ask you again, do you delight in God? When you think about God, when you reflect on God, are your affections kindled? Or is your relationship really more dutiful to God? Some of you do delight in God, and I'm glad you do. You're, you're a great model to us, and, and all of us, we, we, we love to be around you. We, we need that, that model. Um, you don't just serve him dutifully. You have great pleasure in God, and that is right. But some of us, we really do struggle with this. Some of us struggle to delight in God. We, we might have good theology about God. We might work hard for God but we're missing the sense of delight. We're missing the sense of having affections that are really kindled for God. And so that's again, what I believe the the Holy Spirit was impressing on my heart in that prayer experience that I was missing that sense of affection that, that, that was kindled in my heart for God. If so, if that's where you're at, if that's where I'm at, what do we do? How do we get to a place where we delight in God in the way that he is worth our delighting in him? How do we get to a place and delighting in God well, I think at the heart of it it's really about experiencing God it's really about seeing him as he really is some of us uh, well all of us probably have heard about the Grand Canyon right and we've seen pictures and we've read descriptions about it but none of that does justice in terms of like what it's like when you actually see it I remember the first time as a young boy on a family vacation seeing the Grand Canyon and it's just amazing right I mean you don't have to try to be in awe of it you just are because you see it you experience it and I think having delight in God is that kind of thing if we see him rightly if we experience him rightly it moves us to delight in him and so how do we see him rightly how do we how do we experience him Let me say this, I I think if we see him rightly, we will delight in him, but there's one qualification I think I need to give. If you are not in a place where you have, you've not yet really trusted Christ for forgiveness, you've not come into the family of God, you're not a child of God, when you begin to see God rightly, what you begin to see and experience and feel towards God is actually fear and reverence. And that's actually appropriate. to If you don't yet, haven't yet experienced his forgiveness, it is right to fear him. He's a holy God. He, he's opposed to sin. And The scriptures would say we actually are walking as an enemy of him until we come into the family of God. And so when you begin to see God rightly, it can cause fear in your heart. And that's good. And that, that can let you go to him and, and say, God, I need you to forgive me. But once we, we are forgiven and we come into the family of God, we continue to have holy reverence, of course. But when we see him rightly, there should be delight as well. And so how do we get there if we struggle to delight in God? Well, I think one place we could start is, is simply meditating on God's character. We, we can meditate on God's character. In Psalm 27, 4, David prayed this. He said, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David longed, he said, he longed to be in the temple. He longed to be there because he had this, he was going to focus intently on God. And, and why does he say he wanted to do that? He says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Now, word beauty, if you look, a lot of your Bibles will have a little note. It literally means delightfulness. David says, I want to be in the temple to look intently at God so that I could behold the delightfulness of my God. And we need to do the same thing. We can meditate on his character. We can have this focus on God that helps us comprehend the delightfulness of God. So for me, one of the things I have been meditating on over the last uh, number of weeks and months is is God's love, Um, his love for me. In my mind, I mean, obviously this is something that I have believed in my mind for years and years, but if I'm going to delight in him, it needs to get into my heart. And so I've been reflecting on that and been, been thinking about it and praying about it so that it gets into my heart in a way that I experience his love and therefore delight in him. God is a God of love and faithfulness and goodness and kindness and grace and many other beautiful qualities. Meditate on Him. Think about Him. Reflect on His character that you might respond with delight. Another way we see God rightly is is by meditating on what God has done to save us. Meditating on what God has done to save us. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Habakkuk 3.18 says, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Again, there's delight here, right? Why? Because of the experience of salvation. There's there's rejoicing. So much of God's beauty is revealed in our salvation, right? Love, grace, mercy, kindness, compassion, meditate on this. Meditate on your salvation. Let it remind you of who God is. You know, one of the reasons I love being around new believers is that this experience of, of who God is and what He's like is so fresh to you. And uh, you don't have to work at delighting in God. I mean, you just remember, You've ex- it's so tangible, the experience of God's love and forgiveness. Um, you don't have to try to, you know, remember what it's like. But some of us who've been believers a little longer, sometimes we we forget what it was like to experience salvation. We forget how beautiful it is and how good it is and how kind it is. Even the psalm that or the passage that, that uh, Logan read, you know, about being no longer under condemnation, and we forget what that's like. We can meditate on it. We can go back, we can return and remember what God has done in our salvation to help us see God rightly. We can also meditate on God's abundant good goodness. Meditate on God's abundant goodness. In the book of Nehemiah, after Nehemiah helps mobilize Israel to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, they have this time where the the word of God is read corporately. And then the the Levites retell Israel's history to the people. And in 9, 24, 25, this is what the Levites say about Israel when God first led them into the promised land. That's what they say. They say, so their sons entered and possessed the land. And you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites. And you gave them into their hand with their kings and the peoples of the land to do with them as they desired. They captured fortified cities and a fertile land. They took possession of houses full of every good thing, hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled, and grew fat. And they reveled in your great goodness." God was so good to the children of Israel. And their response to that goodness, they didn't just think God is good. They reveled in God's great goodness. That is delight, reveling in God's goodness. God has been so good to every one of us, each one of us. He's given us life, provision, food, shelter, He's given us families and friends. He's blessed us with his church. He's given us freedom to worship him. He's walked with us in our difficulties. He's given us strength in our weakness. And we experience these things every single day. And so if, if you want to grow in your delight of God, be reminded of how good he has been to you. Meditate on these things. Meditate on God's abundant goodness. Meditate on His character, reflect on your salvation, reflect on the many ways that God has been good to you as we see these things. That will help us delight in Him. Now, I was supposed to give this sermon back on uh, November 25th, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and we, had, we got snowed out. And uh, in, 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 maybe it's because I think God had one more point that uh, He wanted to show me that, This last suggestion, this last thing, maybe is the most significant of all, of learning to delight in God. And and this is really something just in the last two or three weeks that God has been showing to me, and that is this. If we're going to delight in God, we need to understand that He delights in you. God delights in you. A number of weeks ago, as part of this processing of my experience with this, I had a friend ask me, Brian, do you believe that God delights in you? And honestly, that, that was like that's a weird question. You know, I believe He loves me. I believe He cares about me, but delight—does He delight in me? Does God delight in you? You know, as I begin to pray about this and think about this and look at the scriptures, I think the scriptures are clear. He does delight in us. He delights in His children. There's a number of places we could look, but but let me read the first four verses of Psalm 149. They say this, it says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Let Israel be glad in His Maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their King. Let them praise His name with dancing. Let them sing to Him with timbrel and lyre. This, this psalm is proclaiming, right? It's good and right to delight in God. It's all over these verses. But when you come to verse 4, it gives the reason why we delight in God. Look at verse 4. It says, For, the reason why. Here's why we do this. Because the Lord takes pleasure in His people, and He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Delight in Him. Be glad in your Maker. Why? because he takes pleasure in you he delights in you first you know if you if you think god's fundamental disposition towards you is displeasure or indifference or anger it's going to be really hard to delight in him right But if you believe that God's fundamental disposition to you is grace and love and acceptance and and, and mercy and that he actually delights in you, it will help you delight in him. And I believe the scripture says it all over the place, that that is his fundamental disposition towards you and towards me. He does delight in us. God is the father and the prodigal son, right? You all know the story. Most of you know the story. The younger son went away, kind of, you know, walked away from his dad, uh, wasted his inheritance with uh, all sorts of uh, improper living. But he eventually came to his senses and he comes home to his dad, he, you know, comes home with the plan. I'm just going to be a servant in my father's household. And the dad didn't, didn't want to hear a word of that. He put the, the, the robe on him. He put on a ring on him had these op- this open arm to him, to him, and he said, you know, kill the fatted calf. We must celebrate because my son who was lost is found. He has come home. And the dad starts delighting over his son who's come home. Have you ever thought about the son at that moment? I mean, how could he not delight in a dad like that? See, that's our God. Open arms to us, welcoming us. He delights in us. And I think that that's probably... The best thing we need to understand, maybe the most important thing we need to understand, if we're going to delight in God, because that's seeing Him rightly. God delights in His children. It's been about five months since God whispered to my heart that I work hard for Him, but I don't necessarily delight in Him. And as I mentioned, when, when God whispered that to my heart, it wasn't so much a rebuke as an invitation an invitation to something deeper. And I've seen him over the last weeks and months kind of moving me on that journey, that, that, that something deeper. And I'm certainly still in process. But I'm sitting, I'm reflecting, and I'm thinking about these things, learning to delight in God, learning to see him rightly, that I would delight in him in the way that he deserves. And I believe God wants all of us on that same journey. He wants us to be a people that delight in him because he is worthy of that. Today, we're celebrating communion. And, and in some ways, so much of what I'm talking about, like the things that we can meditate on, are represented when we come to the table and celebrate communion. We can reflect on our salvation here. We can reflect on the character of God here. Love's expressed, mercy's expressed, grace is expressed. Meditate on these things today as we, uh, we take communion. Be reminded as you eat the bread and drink the juice that God delights in you first. And respond with delight in your own heart. At faith, we practice open communion, which means if you are a believer in Jesus, if you've trusted Him for forgiveness of sins, whether you attend here. Uh, or not regularly, uh, you are welcome to join us. We want you to join us in this time. If you have not yet come to that place of, of trust in Christ, we'd ask you just let the trays pass by. Use this time to pray and reflect. We'll pass the, the bread first and then the juice. And if you need allergen, gluten-free bread, the the little trays right in the middle. You can, can grab one of those. We'd ask you to hold the bread and then the juice until everyone's served and we will eat and drink together. And so as the servers come forward, will you please pray with me? Father, as we gather around this table, this remembrance, um, would you remind us of your love for us? Would you remind us of your goodness to us? Remind us of what an unbelievable thing it is to be saved and to to walk as a child of God. Father, speak to our hearts, whisper to our hearts your delight in us. May we respond with delight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.